Quantum Kickflip is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. In the warring mega towers of a cyberpunk dystopia, four teenagers use their modified hoverboards to sneak into other dimensions. It's dangerous. It's stupid. It's completely outlawed by the giant corporations that own the entire world. And it's the coolest thing ever. This is Slug Blaster. Everybody and welcome to episode one of season two of Quantum Kickflip, a Slug Blaster actual play podcast. My name is Lena. I am your host. I am your Slug Master Game Blaster, and I am here with five of my best and funniest friends in the whole world, and they are going to introduce themselves to you now. Uh, go ahead uh, and introduce uh, your character's name playbook device, uh, and for you, the player, uh, uh, tell us your favorite children's game. Uh, what is the game that you uh, would play uh, on the playground when you were little tots and tykes? Uh, hi there, I am Michael Vetch, and I am in uh, this season playing Walton Wick, the chill playbook, with the signature device, the Robot Companion. And for me, I think my favorite sort of uh, playground time game was Grounders, which would have been just like, you're climbing all over the playground, jumping between, trying not to get tagged. People are closing their eyes and stumbling about. Injuries abound, but <laughs> oh, so much fun. Hi, I'm Liam. Uh, I play uh, Helix Pinnacle. He, he's the smarts playbook. He's got the hard light board uh, as his signature device. Uh, and I was always a fan of, of water guns or just the hose, like fighting over the hose. Like one person's got the hose, the other person's getting sprayed, and then... So at some point it changes hands. Hey, my name is Glenna. I am playing Brinley Zerk. She is the Guts playbook and uses the Gravity Blaster. And I played so much Pretend, you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still it's, playing it, you might it's say. It's so wild that you're doing this with your life. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Robin Slack, uh, and I'm playing Maveline Zandros. She's the Grit playbook with the photonic jacket. And uh, wow, it feels weird to be on this side of this. Um, <laughs> I also played a ton of Grounders, um, but Michael already got that one, so I'm going to go with uh, Frozen Tag, uh, and this is a true anecdote. In elementary school, uh, a bunch of kids formed the Frozen Tag Club, which was just kids who played Frozen Tag at recess, but also it had a president, uh, and I was <laughs> vice president of the Frozen Tag Club uh, for the entire time that I was at that elementary school. My name is David Ray, and I am playing uh, Trevor... Uh, he has the heart playbook and he has the hyper optic visor. Uh, and the game I always played, uh, the one I'm thinking of when, when I think back to my childhood is, uh, King of the Hill. And I don't know what other people's experience was, uh, King of the Hill is, but, uh, in Minnedosa, Manitoba, it was, there's a, uh, either a giant hill of snow or a big play set that went, uh, you know, you know, 
a dozen feet into the air, and uh, you would just kick children off of these things uh, and try to stay on top as long as you could. And uh, it was uh, unmitigated violence of the 90s. Um, but, you know, it made me who I am today. So, <laughs> Anytime we played King of the Hill, there was always fights over who got to be Boomhauer. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> uh, and as I said uh, uh, my name is Leda and uh, uh, I played a lot of hockey with my brothers uh, which I don't think anyone would guess um, uh, and I was always the goalie and that's just a true story and uh, I lost the comedy <laughs> along the way <laughs> uh, I uh, am very very excited I'm excited for these characters I'm uh, excited and so nervous to be on the GM side of things uh, it's gonna be one heck of a time uh, I can't wait to get started so I think let's just get started let's play some Slug Blaster yeah There is no urgency in the plane of Prismatia. Distant stars emit a faint, heatless light that bathes everything in a dreamlike golden glow. Crystalline asteroids catch this light in dazzling patterns as they dance lazily around each other, swayed by their own mild gravitational forces. Trails of glass pieces drift like shattered ribbons and glitter with hazy starlight. Wispy pink clouds crackle faintly with psionic static, smelling like cool water with just a hint of scrambled reality. The light never reaches the ground, for there is no ground. There is no day, no night, no up or down, no shadows cast, no sudden movements, and no schedule to keep. Even those who are here on the clock seem to move with a lackadaisical undertone. Hardecker employees float between opalescent rock foundations, breaking open swirling geodes to mine the Cramption crystals hiding within. Elsewhere, a single explorer shifts down the gear of their hover cycle, extending a dual-pronged space-time amphimeter in an attempt to map a consistent route through Prismatia, an attempt that will later prove to be absolutely futile. There is no urgency in Prismatia. Except for one secluded area of the void, where several teenagers are scrambling to claim control of a giant floating glass disc as they play a heated game of Quantum Conqueror. <laughs> we find the five of you uh, in a four by four, or four versus four uh, uh, matchup. Uh, playing a game of Quantum Conqueror, which is uh, not unlike a certain game that was referenced earlier, uh, King of the Hill. Yeah! Love it when that works out. Dibs Boomhauer. <laughs> Dang it, he got it so fast. Uh, there are two teams here. There is Team Tetrachromacy and Team The Wicks. Uh, three quarters of The Wicks uh, on this team are uh, uh, teenage girls who look like uh, they all coordinated their outfits at the same goth retailer. Um, just <laughs> immaculate um, uh, pins and dark and bows placed uh, exactly uh, so. Um, and so they are on one side of the of the team. Um, but let's take a quick look over at team uh, Tetrachromacy. Uh, who's on this team? 
currently uh, placing one leg up kind of on a, a higher elevation so that he can uh, tie his shoes. Uh, but the, that higher elevation is just like a passing rainbow. Uh, and so he's just leaning <laughs> leg up on a rainbow, uh, tying his <laughs> shoes in the perfect symmetrical bow uh, is uh, Helix Pinnacle, uh, who dare not have uh, uh, any part of his outfit out of place. Um, otherwise wearing a purple, like a deep, dark purple jumpsuit, uh, a haircut, the parts down the middle, um, and uh, just like just a very handsome young fella. Uh, next to him... Uh kind of in a ready stance um listen i don't know how to play quantum conqueror i'm from null but uh she sure does it's maveline zandros uh so she's kind of crouching she's got her arms extended and each of her arms extends to the elbow and then from there branches off into two forearms on each arm so she's got a total of four hands coming out of two arms does that make sense uh she's got metallic sort of brass colored skin uh and she's uh wrapped up in sort of an oversized hoodie jacket robe type situation uh that is covered in in patches um and she sort of stands with all four arms out ready to shove someone catch a ball it's unclear we'll find out in the moment but she's ready for it uh look of <laughs> steely determination in her eye uh and backing up Maeve is Brinley Zerk, who is a uh, short and stocky young Operablin. Uh, she's got uh, purple hair in a very blunt A-line bob that just reaches her chin. She's wearing uh, fitted athletic clothing, uh, complete with cool, some sweet kicks that uh, give good arch support because she's got fallen arches just like the person playing her does. Uh, and she has... They say it's genetic like that. Yeah. <laughs> and she's got a backwards baseball cap uh, and on her right hand is a black gauntlet with blue wiring and many wires coming out of it and she has that one ready to go. And and this would be the uh, team makeup for uh, Team Tetrachromacy. But the Wicks made it really, really clear when they reached out to you to set up this little competition that it had to be four versus four, which initially struck you as kind of odd because the Wicks usually are just the three teenage girls. Um, but you, you had to find somebody to uh, round out your crew so that you could have four to go up against their four you assume. So who was the fourth that you managed to recruit? Well, uh, that would be uh, a robotic entity that they had to rent. Um, <laughs> and it is a, a red bodied kind of Android. Just imagine uh, like uh, uh, this armor that looks like a humanoid, but it goes to a skull that uh, is kind of like a, a darkened glass and on the front of the darkened glass is this um, pixelated face uh, uh, who that is, you know, looking around and smiling, fully smiling in a pixelated way. Um, it is Trev4, uh, the <laughs> uh, telemetric uh, robotic empathy valet, the fourth edition of it, uh, who is uh, taking in this <laughs> new experience, trying to help out his team. Uh, and make sure that they have success. And just like uh, all all of the cameras that are inside of his uh, uh, skull are fully active, looking behind him, in front of him, to the sides, and he's looking around. 
uh, ready to defend his space. It's interesting that you said he was ready to defend because your team, in fact, is not defending at this moment. Uh, oh, so no. Quantum Conqueror uh, is very much uh, just like King of the Hill. In this particular scenario, the person at the center of the disc, when the timer runs out, wins the point for their team. In a stunning upset, uh, you have lost control of the disc this round. Uh, the Wicks are, are surrounding it, ready to defend, uh, and standing directly in the center of the disc. The one who managed to claim it this very moment is Michael. Uh, standing in the midst of the disc uh, is actually uh, the slightly younger cousin to the other members of the Wicks, uh, Walton Wick. Uh, and though he didn't shop at the exact same goth retailer, he has a very similar sensibility and fashion, likely influenced by his uh, fairly well to, uh, famous cousins here. <laughs> uh, he has uh, He's standing there, uh, likely on his sort of fully expanded yellow hoverboard. Uh, he's a slim build. He's got a, a loose dress shirt on with a weird sort of cyber tie that it looks like a bunch of segmented pieces that are all kind of floating together connected by some kind of technology you assume <laughs> uh and and he is standing there on the board with a an odd little creature sort of floating behind his shoulder <laughs> oh we will get to that creature in a sec uh but for now there is no time to lose because there have been three intense rounds of this game already uh the wicks uh won round one uh whitney wick just anchored herself to the glass disc and stared at all of you until you decided to stop trying to attack her um uh, <laughs> she has a very intimidating stare um you did manage to secure uh round two so you are in the tiebreaker round at this moment. Uh, Wendy Wick is off to the side, her reality cannon poised threateningly. Uh, Whitney is not too far off, and uh, she's got like this like glasses sort of apparatus on her head uh, that you know has been streaming everything that's been going on to social media. And Wanda Wick is circling the disc. Her photonic jacket is displaying uh, a giant digital timer that just now counts down to two minutes left. All right, gang, we only got two minutes left and it's it's getting serious here. I mean, this is this is our chance. This is the Wicks. I mean, they're big news. This is our chance to put our crew on the map. If, if we're gonna make an impression, we gotta make it now. If we lose this, it's, it's gonna be a hard one to come back from and everyone's gonna see it. It's all streaming to their feet, I could tell. If it is important for us to win, I think I have something. And uh, uh, Trevor uh, uh, suddenly kind of morphs a little bit. His legs start uh, going back up and they fold at the knee. And out of his knees come a couple like uh, uh, propulsion engines that start launching him forward. And he's going straight for Walton and is going to try to tackle him off of it. All right. Uh, so let's get a roll for that. You are going to roll a d6. Six is a perfect success. You get exactly, you do exactly what you want to do. Four or five is a mixed success. You succeed, but there is a problem. And one, two, or three, you fail. You will not be able to tackle Walden, and there will be an additional problem given to you. Uh, you may add boost or kick from either your attitude from your heart or turbo, uh, from your hyperoptic visor. Let's get that roll. Okay, uh, I'm going to add uh, a die from um, my attitude. So uh, I'll roll with 2d6. 
I roll a three and a four. Three and a four. So we always take the higher roll. So a four is a mixed success. You propel forward and you will knock Walton to the side of the disc, leaving it open to be claimed. So go ahead and describe this maneuver. So Trev, uh, Trev four uh, starts running and kind of like, as, as I said, his legs fold up, the uh, propulsion engines engage and like launches him forward. Uh, Trev uh, four uh, wraps his arms around Walton uh, taking him down, um, I, I think it would even make sense that maybe I get thrown off the disc. Like, I, I, uh, I overshoot it, like, so Walton might be knocked down and he might be out of position. But maybe I'm out of position as well? Yeah, I don't think you're in the center of the disc. Uh, I don't yeah. think either of you are. Uh, so at this point, no one is in control. Um, so it's... You succeed in what you're doing, for sure. Um, and let's say for your problem... Yeah, you know what? Let's just say that you you do knock Walt in. Maybe you do overshoot it a little bit. Walt isn't off the disc. You kind of go spinning off the disc. And there's very, very low gravity here in Prismatia. So you've kind of lost your footing. You're sort of floating in space. And you need to find a way to sort of get your bearings back. You know, with rocket knees, it's probably not going to be too much of a problem. But for now, you're a little bit off kilter. Yeah, this whole time, I uh, I, I bet my um, CPU has been trying to catch up and recalculate to try to adjust to the different kind of gravity and everything. So it's still catching up. So so Trev's knocked Walton out of the center and it's it's open like it's any anyone's grab, right? Yeah, Trev is off the disc. Walt is on the disc, but not at the center. Gotcha. Um, Maeve yells out to her crewmates, uh, one of y'all go for the center. I'll, I'll run interference. Uh, and sort of takes position between the center and the rest of the wicks, ready to sort of uh, block their approach. She's got something up her sleeve here. All right. And uh, Brinley is going to use her gravity blaster, her gauntlet, um, and use uh, her impulse rig to use her beam like a grappling hook. She's going to launch it to the center of the disc and pull herself in. And I'm going to attempt to do a trick. Ooh, so when you do a trick, any problems that are going to occur from a failure or mixed success will be worse. But if you succeed, you get to mark style. Yeah, I'm also going to use, uh, I'm going to add one boost from my attitude, because uh, I think doing a trick in zero G is pretty gutsy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I get to refill it when I attempt a trick, even if I fail. So that's nice, too. There you go. That's a guts ability. That's a five. All right, another mixed success. All right, so uh, a beam of energy shoots out of the gauntlet and latches onto the center, and as it pulls her in, she kind of stops short and in the last bit of momentum does like a, uh, just a a free-floating flip. Ooh, very fun. Uh, And hopefully lands on her feet. Yeah, so you do get this flip, uh, so you get to mark your style for doing the trick and you land and you get super disoriented because it feels like you just landed with your feet on a wall, Mm. which makes no sense because, you know, there's not really supposed to be gravity. What you land on is what you land on. You're not supposed to get dizzy like this. And then you sort of look around and realize you're kind of in like this pink, sparkling sort of cloud. Uh, And you you look over to see uh, Wendy Wick 
and she's like, deal with that. Uh, and you realize that like something, she's shot a beam of reality at you that has uh, just like messed up your inner ear, what good. Uh, so you're gonna take the slam of Dizzy. Okay, let's do it. Alrighty, you can write Dizzy in your slam box. Uh, everyone has two slam boxes. Uh, if you take more than two slams, it's gonna be a bad time. Uh, Helix, Maybelline, uh, someone just shot at your friend. You gonna do something about it? Yeah, uh, uh, but uh, nonetheless, she was successful in getting onto the disc. Yes, uh, uh, she's in the center of the disc, and and she, you can see, you saw the pink uh, orb that sort of shot out at her and is now sort of drifting around her like one of those uh, uh, cosmic clouds that are floating about. Um, And you can see that she, like, looks like she's having trouble maintaining her footing. But she is at the center of the disc. Your team is in control. Seeing all of this transpire, uh, yeah, I think uh, uh, Helix is going to join uh, Maeve in kind of running interference and I'm going to go right for whichever member, you said it was Wendy? Uh, yes, Wendy that was the one who fired her reality pulled, cannon. Pulled I hope shit. I have kept these names straight. <laughs> yeah, all good. Um, I think he's just going to start running along the disc uh, right towards her and he's a pretty fit guy. He's very athletic. Um, mm-hmm. Even though he's the smarts playbook, he's also super uh, uh, fit and, and athletic. Uh, and he's going to get up a good sprint Um uh kick his board up into his hands and hold it uh, vertically, so like lengthwise to his body. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's kind of like in front of him. Um, And then just as he's sprinting, uh, say to himself, um, not himself, to the board, um, engage energy lattice, Y-axis, square, Mm -hmm. five feet. Um, And from (laughs) the board, a two-dimensional hard light square that is five feet by five feet comes like just emerges in front of him almost like a riot shield a square riot shield um and i would like to do this uh i'd like to do a trick uh and the trick is gonna be um once he gets her he's just gonna turn it uh 90 degrees so now it's less shovel oh okay so you're basically just like shovel scooping wendy off this disc yeah um but it's currently carrying it in such a way that it's more straight up and down but will as soon as he gets her he's gonna try to pick her up with it yeah let's get that roll uh, a five as well. All right, another mixed success. Uh, you said you were doing a trick, so mark that style. Sweet. Describe this. Uh, describe this move. Um, yeah, well, all, all Wendy sees coming at her is just um, purple, a wall of purple hard light. Uh, that as soon as it, you know, she braces for a slam. I think. I, I think she braces for for uh, the same as a tackle. Um, but as <laughs> soon as he makes connection, he just like leans it back a bit. It's like ninety degree scoop. What do you do? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 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 she goes flying maybe much further than you anticipated, maybe exactly as far as you anticipated, because you know that the gravitational field is weak here. Uh, mm-hmm. And she kind of just kind of spins and flips uh, fully unintentionally uh, off of this disc. Uh, uh, it is looking... Uh, better and better that you are going to be uh, in control of this. Uh, you did roll a five. That is a uh, mixed success. So you you overclock this uh, uh, scoop. Uh, maybe you thought you would need more force. You were anticipating the force it would take to, you know, 
shove a young woman off of a thing, and you didn't account for the fact that her mass would also be lighter in Prismania. Uh, so you go too far, and now you're just, like, spinning. Uh, Helix is not going to be getting control of the center uh, anytime soon. Um, and then if I can add, I love that, so I'll add, um, I think he did know that was going to happen. Uh, not okay. sort of overlooking the math is not really his MO. Um, that's that's but fair. kind of did it anyway. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and you're like hurtling towards the edge of this disc, and you know, you you overclocked it, so are you going to be able to get control of yourself before you fly off this disc into who knows where? How are you possibly going to, you know, write your course and get back? Who knows? It's, it's thrilling. <laughs> <laughs> Maybelline is still in position on the disc, um... And she's waiting. Uh, she's taking her time. She's in position. She's got something up her sleeve, like I said, but she's waiting for specifically the other members of the Wicks to make their move. As soon as, as uh, who have we sent flying? Wendy? Wendy has gone flying. As soon as uh, Whitney or Wanda makes their play, uh, I, I'm ready to act. But she's like doing that thing where her, her pulse is racing. She can hear her heartbeat, uh, but she's she's holding that action and just waiting because she can see the countdown clock. Uh, she knows they only have to take control for or hold control for a certain amount of time. Uh, and she just needs to make the pivotal move when it counts to, to keep Brinley in position. Uh, yeah, you know what? I think Wanda has been circling the perimeter of this disc. Um, and, you know, she's kind of been uh, avoiding some of the, the hits from other people at this point. Uh, and, and she is now approaching you. Uh, she's sort of rounding the, the one side, uh, coming closer and closer to you. And as she does, she smirks, fiddles with the lapel of her jacket, and two big hard light fists just look like they emerge from either side of her rib cage, but they are way larger than regular fists. Uh, and she starts to uh, uh, kick her hoverboard up even faster as she moves towards you. What do you do? <laughs> she's got the same signature device as I do. Uh, and she's mm. using the same ability that I was about to. Um, but uh, I think Maeve smirks at this and, and you know, a little bit of game recognized game. And is like, all right, if that's how we're playing it. Um, and yeah, she engages the hard light, hard light upscaling on her own photonic jacket. Roll to temporarily augment your jacket with useful hard light ornaments such as glowing tentacles, giant polygonal fists, or briefly serviceable wings. Um, doing something similar uh, to the wicks in that she just wants to create off of one of her arms sort of a giant, not even so much an arm and a fist as like a, a wrecking ball. She wants one big, long, swingy appendage with a big club at the end, uh, wrecking ball style, that she is going to arc up over her head and slam down onto the disc to try and just knock everyone loose. And as she says that, as she does this, she shouts to Brinley, Bryn, hang on! <laughs> and she goes for it. Let's get a roll. I am going to add uh, a D6 from my uh, jacket for doing this whole thing. I'm going to add a D6 from my attitude. Um, mm -hmm. And what the heck, I'm going to throw a kick on it. If I if I pull this off, I want to launch um, Helix, who's sliding down the disc, uh, in a safe direction. Um, 
the, the wicks as well, but like I want to launch them not off into the void, but towards a glasteroid or somewhere where they're going to be able to regain their footing. So if if I pull this off, the kick is is not just dislodging everyone from the disc, but also sending them somewhere that's not off into the ether. Okay, <laughs> sounds good. Sounds like you got a lot on this roll. Sweet, yeah. 3d6, one kick, <laughs> let's go. Oh my god, a four. A four is the a best thing I get from that. A four is the best you could do. Ah, uh, amazing. That is okay. a success. <laughs> it is a success, and you did put kick on it, so you are going to get that extra effect. So let's describe this. Yeah, like I say, she creates this. It's I imagine it because it's hard light, so it's glowing um, in sort of, a, I think it's just a bright white light uh, for this. And it's just sort of like her arm extends out into this long, ropey, kind of Stretch Armstrong arm um, <laughs> that ends in just a big, solid ball. Um, and she swings this up into the air and maybe catches the light of some distant psionic cloud and then comes slamming down. Uh, and I want to, I'm picturing like it it sends a shockwave out across the disc and maybe even sends the disc spinning on its axis a little bit. <laughs> um, but she knows Brinley's got that gravity gauntlet. She knows Brin can hang on. Uh, she trusts yeah. her, her crewmate. Um, maybe she's not taking into account a, a certain dizziness slam, but that's, you know, <laughs> she can't think of everything. And uh, I guess as far as what that results in, you tell me. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think you do. Um, you're you're going to, like, spin the disc. I'm going to say, like, it starts quick and then, and then very quickly starts to slow down. So there's, like, two or three revolutions where you just kind of have to hang on. Um, hmm. I'm, I'm going to throw a couple things in here. Uh, first of all... Uh, you can't not, you know, you definitely send, uh, you know, Wendy was already flying, uh, Whitney goes, uh, she gets flung off the disc, Helix, just as you wanted, uh, gets sort of flung, uh, and, and Wanda too, she, she gets knocked, um, but not before one of her big hard light fists clips you on the side of the face. Uh, and it is light, but it is hard. Uh, so it hurts. Uh, and you're gonna uh, you're gonna get the slam of uh, uh, clocked. Clocked, I love it. It's my first slam. Classic. Can we actually describe what hard light is? Uh, just for anyone who might, we were sort of taking for granted. We're like, yeah, hard light, hard light. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, you've got a, a hard light board, Liam. Do you want to read out that description? Yeah, it's a board made out of solid, stable light with a wrist-mounted device. Um, but even just like, I mean, every every character here has been using it. And yeah, I, I always sort of picture it like the stuff that gets left behind in on the Tron motorcycles or what Miss Marvel in the TV series runs on. The Green Lantern kind of energy. Yeah. Yeah. Very mm-hmm. much like constructed photon structures. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's a very good way of putting it. Um, photons, energy, but it is constructed. It is hard. If you crash into it, you're not going to go through it and you're going to get hurt. Uh, and that is exactly what has happened to Maybelline in this moment. Uh, yeah, she takes it. She takes the hit. I think she was prepared for that. And uh, I. she also wasn't hanging on. I think she had to kind of throw all of her weight into this, uh, bringing the fist down. So... She's trusting Bryn to hang on and and keep the keep the um, possession of the disc. Um, I you I don't know if I'm anchored or flying or where I am right now. Um, I'm gonna say you're flying. Helix is like pretty close to the center, but he's also still kind of not really got his footing. Uh, it's almost like he got like smacked by the disc and is now yeah. now going. 
Um, and uh, Brinley's still hanging on to the center. Trev- Trevor is off and away. All of the wicks are away. What I will say is there is one wick who maybe saw this coming, who was able to just position himself in a way that he didn't get quite knocked aside by the disc the way that everyone else has. Woolton, you have a pretty clear angle to the center. You are like kind of floating uh, pretty close to the disc, uh, not on the disc, but not flying off into space like some of our other compatriots. What do you do? I think even though in this moment, Walt is like not doesn't have footing, uh, the one who doesn't suffer from that uh, is his little floating robot companion. <laughs> As he's floating just a little off the disc, he look he sets his eyes towards center, and from behind his shoulder floats out a, a little orange sort of hard light hologram critter that's about a foot tall, and it looks very much like a prawn. It has a lot of very shrimpy features to it. <laughs> uh, and as was described with Harley before, this is a little projection hologram. Uh, this, in, in this world of things that we've come up with, is a Daibokin. It's pretty much a Digimon. <laughs> and uh, Walt looks over to, to it and, uh, and says, Scampikin, foam jet right to the center of the disc. <laughs> And uh, with this, I am going to use the Robo Companions uh, mod Weapons. Uh, roll to have your robot attack at a distance, lethally or non-lethally, with weapons you've designed. And in this form, uh, the little prawn guy is going to shoot a big old jet of bubbles, if, if it all goes well. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So basically your intention is to clear the center of the disc so that you can, you or one of your teammates can then move in? Yes. Yeah, that's the thought. Fantastic. Let's get a roll. Yeah, as the chill, I roll with 2d6 to start. Mm -hmm. Uh, I will... You know what? I'm going to use one of the boost from my signature device here, so I'll be rolling 3d6, and if I could add a kick, I'm hoping that Walt might be able to make a sort of a secondary move off the end of this, if it goes well. Sure. Uh, Secondary move... uh, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. With the 3d6, I get a 5. A five, a mixed success. All right. Uh, describe this maneuver with the added effect of the kick. Yeah. So with this, uh, the, the little the little shrimp shrimp shrimpy boy sort of floats forward and stump stumble scrum. And uh, as his little sort of pincers shoot up forward, he emits almost seemingly out of nowhere a stream of bubbles. And this this sort of aquamarine stream just shoots gushing forward toward the center of the disc. Uh, right, right in at Brindy. <laughs> and uh, so the additional hope with that is that Wolk is kind of going to maneuver himself right into that jet stream and get propelled by the bubbles towards center also. <laughs> I love that, yes. Uh, so Scampykin uh, fires this jet stream of bubbles. Wolt, you position yourself and, and ride along the stream. I will say that it is enough, combined with uh, Brinley's dizzy slam that she acquired earlier, uh, uh, she slips, her gravity gauntlet is not quite enough, and she starts getting carried over towards the edge of the disc. Uh, you glide to the center and land. You are back in control. Uh, uh, Wanda uh, uh, sort of is like spinning uh, around you, uh, and of course her di- giant digital uh, timer is also spinning through the air, uh, and you can't read it because it's uh, spinning so quickly. All you know is it's in the double digits, so things are looking very, very positive for Team Wick. Uh, you land at the center. You watch 
uh, Brinley skid towards the edge of the disc. And just past Brinley, you see this glass shape. Now, that's not unusual here in Prismatia. There are, you know, crystalline asteroids, trails of glass pieces, discs not unlike this one, all sorts of different shapes and sizes of glass. Um, But this one catches your eye because, I mean, you can't place it at first. You can't figure out what it is about it that's weird. And then it occurs to you that a piece of it is moving and it tilts up and then it blinks and opens these big, huge, bulbous eyes that are now glowing yellow. And then these stem-like legs break out from underneath it. And then the whole thing just kind of flutters. And then you realize it's the body of the thing that is kind of fluttering and 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 trembling, creating this uh, uh, crystalline rattling that shakes the whole disc. Um, and Wendy is, is just now uh, starting to uh, uh, get her bearings. She just grabbed onto the edge of the disc. She looks over and she says, Oh no! It's a glass hopper! (laughs) (laughs) Two antennas pop out from the top of its head, and this crackling light begins to emanate from between them. And you hear Wanda still spinning, going, Let's get out of here! (laughs) So now all of you need to find a way out of Prismatia and fast. <laughs> Who's got to play? I think uh, Maeve realizes like she's uh, read up on other dimensions. She's studied the multiverse a little bit. She knows that this is not a threat to be taken lightly. Um, but I also don't think she can just let this go because she knows that if we all <laughs> panic and scramble now, that means technically the Wicks were in control last and that means we lost the game. Um, so she is going to try and make her egress. Uh, but I think she's going to try to uh, tackle uh, Walt on the way um, and knock him out of position. Um, that's that's her play here. Um, so I th- what I want to do then, I think, is use sort of the... I, I got my clock cleaned by this hard light arm. I want to use the momentum of that punch, uh, but I want to throw my hoverboard down underneath me. Uh, it's not a fancy hard lead board like what Helix has. It's just standard issue hoverboard, hand-me-down kind of shit. Uh, and I want to throw it underneath me and sort of redirect the momentum to send myself back towards center. Um, and I would like to use the ability Sacrifice Your Body to take a slam uh, to get plus 2d6 to my action. So I, I want to throw my full weight into Walt and and take a slam from it in order to knock both of us off the center and away. Okay. Uh, so you get plus 2d6 from Sacrifice Your Body. Yeah. Let's get a roll. Can I do a trick too? You can do a trick. Absolutely. As she puts the board down, does a little sort of grab as she spins in midair and, and redirects that momentum, does a little little 180 um, nice. before following through. Um, and here we go, rolling 3d6. <laughs> There's a six, baby! All right. Uh, let's describe this action and then we'll figure out the nature of your slam. 
Beautiful. Yeah, I like I say, she she takes that punch, she's flying back, but she has the the fortitude to throw her board underneath her and and do a little little 180 again, catching catching the psionic light of the of the crystalline clouds. Uh, she slams back down onto the disc and goes rocketing towards center. Uh, look of steely determination in her eye once again as she just throws the full weight of herself and her board and everything uh, into Walt. She's she's disapparated that uh, hard light wrecking ball. She's not trying to like kill anybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but she wants to essentially knock him and like bring him along. Like we're all getting out of this dimension, but she wants everyone to know that uh, that we took possession before we left. Okay, fantastic. Um, so the two of you kind of go tumbling along the disc uh, together. Uh, for a brief moment, you're just like a bit of a mess of like arms and legs and more arms as you go sliding along. <laughs> um, and I think maybe there's just like, there's a bit of a collision uh, that gets you worse than it gets him. Like maybe Walt, you get knocked in kind of a bit of an uncomfortable way. Um, but Can uh, I throw something out here? Yes, please. Uh, I just, I realized that we did our character creation, part of which was bonds. Uh, and my bond is that I, uh, my bond is with the chill and that I have a crush on the chill playbook. Um, and I think maybe this is the origin of it. Like she's been totally <laughs> head in the game focused. And then it's like right before that second of impact, she just like his, his uh, face catches the light in the right way. And she realizes like, oh, damn. Um, <laughs> Slow-mo, slight swish of the hair as he turns to look. <laughs> yeah. Bubbles still floating around behind. Yeah, like yeah all the bubbles bubble. drifting in the background. It's like soft focused. I can hear the soundtrack. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, you are going to take the emotional slam of Smitten. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. But also, I think it may result in, in some physical bruising in that, like, I see this and redirect a little bit to sort of take the brunt of, like, I was going to knock him to the ground. And instead, I sort of pull myself to the ground uh, between him and the disc to take the worst of it. Uh, but I like that that's represented by Smitten. <laughs> In that slow-mo moment right before the collision, still in slow-mo, you see Walt go, Oh, Vox. <laughs> hey now, watch your language. <laughs> um, so we do need to get out of here. So I'm actually going to uh I'm gonna mark I'm gonna create a track for us. Uh and let's call it Chase. So there's five five marks to this track. Uh the letters of Chase. Uh, in those letters, you need to find your thin zone and get out. Um, and uh, I think it's fair that, you know, Maybelline was a little bit more focused on winning the game and then on actually getting out. So you're not going to mark the track. We're going to set it up here and now. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, you can choose to do things that don't mark the track. You just run the risk of getting zapped by psionic lightning. Um, so, yeah, Maybelline and Walter are in a little bit of a tangle. Uh, who else has a play? What is this current score of the game? <laughs> I will say no one is in the center of the disc. And from what you can see of Wanda, who's just starting to sort of regain her bearings, and she is like uh, frantically digging through her pockets, uh, uh, pulling out random pieces of tech uh, and sort of beep booping them, um, presumably to, to calibrate where the next thin zone is. Um, you can't really see what her timer says, but you know that there's still the timer and you know it's got to be running low. So, so the game is still on, technically, 
and and there may be just enough time for one more person to make a play to win if that is the thing that is important to you. I I think when uh, Trev Four uh, sees that there is this threat that kind of like registers higher on his prime directive. Um, and he wants to secure kind of like a safe exit. So I think what he's going to do is uh, raise up his left hand and his palm pointed at uh, the glass hopper and is going to attempt to slow it down. And uh, he's going to fire out, uh, I'm going to say, three uh, taser bolts uh, out. And uh, what that means is I'm going to use a couple... Uh, of kick on this and it's meant to just slow down the glass hopper so that it makes it easier for us to escape okay um and um you're putting two kick on it you were saying two kick so to make it even more effective and i'm going to also throw in a boost as well so i can get an extra die you're just trying to get the job done here yeah, like I'm, I'm turning towards this bigger threat, and uh, uh, at, at this uh, particular moment, ah, nuts! <laughs> uh, I roll a three and a four again. Okay, <laughs> oh, no. so you do get a mixed success. We do always take the higher roll, so mm-hmm. that's something. Uh, so, like, as uh, Trevor is kind of like you know floating away from. Uh, the disc and everything uh, and he's trying to reorient himself and this glass hopper comes out uh, he analyzes it, uh, holds out his uh, palm and these like um, very tiny uh, kind of I, I can see like uh, two things that would puncture into somebody uh, along with a little uh, thing that holds it all together and he mm-hmm. fires three of those going into the glass hopper, and uh, it would uh, kind of send out an electric jolt. On, on uh, biological beings, this would stun them, uh, but I have no, no idea what it does to a, uh, a glass hopper. Um, like, I do want to honor, like, the, the intention of the role that you are trying to slow down uh, this glass hopper and sort of stop it from attacking. Um, so I think I, I do want to keep that... Um, and you did add some kick to it. Um, so here's how I think I'm going to pay off the kick. Uh, I will mark two spots on Chase, um, that basically the Glasshopper is, is not going to be, uh, a threat at this time, hopefully giving your teammates uh, a bit more of, um, a bit more opportunity, uh, uh, to escape. I think what I'll say for the mixed nature of the success, I think I'm going to keep it simple. The the taser jolts it, right? Um, and it kind of shakes. And with the shake, it shakes its wings. And I'm going to say you're next to maybe a couple of the Wicks sisters, uh, Whitney and Wendy. Um, and those two, along with you, are going to sort of get hit with this sort of uh, 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 rattling sort of jolt. And maybe it does have a bit of an electromagnetic somewhat sort of pulse to it that gives you sort of like a a, a static shock kind of feeling. Um, So I am going to give you the slam of jolted. 
Oh, no. That can't be good for a robot. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> uh, there is, of course, all as always, uh, the option to nope a slam and mark trouble instead, if that is something you would like to do. Uh, so you wouldn't... Oh, you would not say that this is a dodgeable kind of a slam, right? I feel like it could be dodgeable. Well, then I'm going to invoke my omniscience uh, aperture uh, on my uh, hyper optic visor. Uh, it'll. Uh, it not only does it allow me to see through walls into objects and all around you, also mark one turbo to avoid dodgeable slams so i'm using the last uh, bit of turbo <laughs> from my visor to just uh dodge it so uh, <laughs> uh and maybe what that looks like in terms of a big wave coming his way it might be like uh he folds up temporarily to uh as the the wave kind of like buffets over him as uh, and then he kind of like folds out again in order to be able to uh, to continue on. Uh, it does say as well that your omniscience aperture lets you see all around you. Um, yes. So with your three hundred and sixty degree vision, you do see Wendy and Whitney just get blown back by this wave, uh, and they both go ah as they kind of like stumble uh, backwards. And Brinley, you're still dizzy, right? Yeah, I sure am. <laughs> dizzy and sliding. Yeah, you got knocked by a jet of foam, of I bubbles. I did. Though I think to stop sliding, she sort of turns and does a shoulder roll and kind of gains control of her momentum that way. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You know yeah. what? V- Vux it. I'm going to uh, use my zero point energy and roll to damage things at a distance with a blast of crushing force. All right. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to use one turbo, so I'm going to roll two d6. That's a six. Uh, I think she presses a button on her gauntlet and just like makes a huge punching motion. And rather than a beam of light, uh, like a like a globule of light, uh, further away near the glass hopper, just clocks it, clocks it in its dumb face. Uh, it's like big buggy glowy eyes, kind of like flicker and blink uh, as it gets just knocked by this wave of uh, gravitational. Force. Um, I will mark another beat on the uh, progress track. Uh, CHA of chase has been marked S and E remain. Uh, although it's not much of a chase, you, you certainly are standing your ground uh, against this glass hopper for the time being. So that might be the way that you secure safe passage out of here is just by dealing with the threat. I think uh, Walt, uh, sort of uh, in, in untangling himself from Maeve a little bit, they're both sort of floating off past the disc a bit, and he just takes a sec and it's like, oh, sorry, I guess we had a little bit of a, a run in there. Yeah, uh, I didn't mean to, I, well, I mean, I did mean to, but I, I hope you're, um, listen, we gotta get out of here. I think, I think it's fair to say that the game's over and... Yeah, might have to call this one a rain check. <laughs> Let's see, Scab! Uh, and with that, I'm going to try and call my Daibokin over to g- give us a little hand, is my hope. Okay. Uh, I want to use my chill ability of Button Masher to mark one trouble to uh, use a locked mod for the length of one action. So with that, I'm going to try to uh, <laughs> attempt to use 
uh, the Robot Companion's Mobility Boosters, in which I roll to have your robot go really fast, can carry a passenger or two, ditch the hoverboard, and hop on. So I'm hoping he can do a little zoom and come and sort of snag us and pull us back toward the rest of the group because we were kind of floating off. Incredible. Sounds like a plan. Uh, Button Masher does say, be careful, potential problems are worse. So let's get that roll. Can I help with that? Oh, yes, absolutely. You want to share some resources? Yeah, um, I'm, tr- I'm just trying to justify how exactly, like, whether it's something I do with my jacket or... Is it too much for me to just say, uh, you might want to hang on tight for this, and then you're just holding on. <laughs> Maybelline gulps and uh, grabs your, your waist really tentatively. <laughs> <laughs> with, with four arms, though, yeah? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Four forearms. So... I'd say you could lend a, a die or a kick if if that's what you'd like to do. Yeah, I'd like to lend a die for my for my attitude. All right, sweet. So that'll be three d six, and I think I wanna, I think I wanna wanna do a trick on this. I'm hoping, I'm hoping to do a little All trick right. on this. All right. Check it. That's a six, baby. Yeah. A six and two ones. Thank you for the extra die. (laughs) 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 Look at what you can achieve together. (laughs) Uh, Describe this maneuver. Uh, Yeah, I think uh, this uh, Walt had had his board and he just sort of collapses it back down to the little yellow digivice sort of thing and holding it up. uh, Scampykin is able to look and sort of sense where he's at and he comes zooming over and kind of uses his two little arms to scoop underneath uh, Walt's armpits. Uh, so he's almost <laughs> use, being acting like a little little shrimp jetpack for Walt, <laughs> uh, pulling them back down toward. And it's very unintentionally, like Walt's not trying to do this. He's not, he's not trying to pull any sort of move right now, but it has very much the vibes of a whole new world where um, <laughs> he's kind of being just magically flying and Maeve is there sort of holding on to his waist, looking up as they soar through this brilliant pink prismatia sky back toward the disc. The hazy starlight shines in the background. <laughs> Maeve is thankful that her uh, metallic bronze Thenis Spartan skin doesn't really show a blush uh, super well because uh, she she would be embarrassed if you could see that she was blushing. <laughs> uh, so, Walt and Maybelline, uh, you were uh, scooped up by this uh, 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 scampykin uh, uh, <laughs> digital boardkin uh, that has been uh, granted a boost of extra mobility. And I'm going to sp- say with that speed, uh, you're able to uh, uh, zip around and sort of meet up with Wanda uh, and Brinley. Uh, so the one, two, the four of you are now sort of together and you see that Wanda has a device out and she's sort of like gesturing with her arm to say like this way, this way. She seems to know which way to go from here. Uh, uh, Trev, I think you sort of notice this as well. Um, and you sort of go to round up Wendy and Whitney. Helix, you're sort of off to your own. You see this as well. And you also see uh, that Wanda's timer ticks from 10 seconds to 9 seconds. What do you do? I think, uh, yeah, uh, Helix clocks all of this. You see him sort of sizing up the the distance from uh, the disc to the glass hopper to the thin zone. Um uh, I'm assuming sort of the disc is in the sandwich between the glasshopper and the thin zone. Uh, yeah, I think so. 
Yeah, the disc is in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then, yeah, everyone's mobilizing. It looks like there's plenty of time uh, for folks to, to run to this, you know, run away from this thing. Um, Helix sort of hurriedly runs to the, the center of the disc, makes his stand, uh, pulls out his ray gun, which I have described mine as a, a nanite pistol, and it's going to blast little little globs of nanite. Um, <laughs> uh, points it at the glass hopper, but then doesn't pull the trigger for the better part of like eight seconds. Uh-huh. Um, and is just like this thing is barreling down. You know, the the delay that Trevor got us is almost wasted by this move, but he's just like waiting, 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 and he's counting under his breath. Eight, seven, six, five, four, and on one he he blasts. Um, uh, at the, uh, at the glass hopper, but also it was the, 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 the place to take the shot was also the place to win the game. So fantastic. So you're standing at the center of the desk, everyone's sort of moving as a group. And then they realize that you're not following along. They turn to see you at the center. Uh, uh, Whitney turns and her camera that's been still streaming, uh, catches you in the center of the frame. Um, we're going to get this roll, and I want you to add whatever you want to this roll. Mm-hmm. But I want you to know that I'm going to be using one of my GM bite. Sure. And these are just like little tools, little tokens that I get that can sort of like add a little spice. Um, so <laughs> re- no matter what you add to this roll, if you roll a problem, it will be worse. Love it. Um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm going to actually... I'm going to take one out of the hype, the crew hype die, because I'm trying to win this for the team. So I'm taking a, a, a die from the crew. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to add one of my own uh, attitude uh, from the smarts playbook. Um, and then the one I roll with. So three total here. Uh, uh, b- before this uh, roll goes, uh, since I'm kind of like watching this, I'm, I, I'm observing it. I have my hop, uh, hyper optic visor going. Yeah. I'm hoping that I could maybe give a kick uh, so I, what I think is I see what's happening and this uh, glass hopper is closing in on um, on him. I, I'm, I'm going to, uh, you know, in my, the, 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 all the cameras and everything inside the, the, the glass skull, one of them is like a, a, a laser pointer and I can see what's happening. So I'm trying to help uh, specifically, uh, uh, you know, Aim here. This is your best shot. Uh, Did you take a laser sight from another area? Oh, <laughs> He's creating sort of the like glowing I, red weak so point on good. the boss. <laughs> that's right. Like I'm offering basically this seems to be the weak spot uh, based on the calculations of my, my ro- robot brain. So if you hit, it's like the best spot to hit. Fantastic. Fantastic. Love it. Okay, three, six, five. Mixed success. Okay. At the last possible moment, you fire. And Trev's aim is true. You have confirmed it with your own smarts, your own calculations. Um, you, You hit. Uh, this glass hopper square in the center of the head and there's a brief sort of explosion of light and then suddenly a crackling and you get blasted with a psionic laser 
from the Glasshopper's antenna. You're not just going to take a slam, you're gonna take a super slam. You have been oh, super laser blasted. Now this is a <laughs> slam that's gonna last longer than your usual slam. How does that work with noping? Yeah, so when you nope a slam, you just clear the slam and you mark trouble. Um, a super slam is gonna take a little more edge. Now with a nope, you mark two trouble. You can nope once to clear the super. You can nope twice, marking a total of four trouble to clear the entire thing. Oh, shit. Ooh. So I'm, go I'm going to uh, uh, super nope the, 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 the slam. Um, so I will take yeah. uh, double the trouble. Um, uh, I think he, he blasts, and just at that last second, he raises um, his his aim to, to match exactly the light that Trevor was pointing to. Um, he had, Helix had crunched the numbers, he knew the timing was going to work, he had done everything. He didn't quite uh, uh, mark where the lightning gland on the glass hopper was, <laughs> yeah. um, but it was with the help of, of Trev, uh, Trevor that he was able to uh, be like, oh wait, no, not there. So he, he the noping is me meeting uh, uh, Trevor's guidance um, and, and adjusts his shot at the zero hour, blasts it, and I think... Like when people stand in a wave of, or in a wave, in a, a swarm of bats, and they just mm -hmm. like go flying around them, a bunch of lightning just sort of crackles around him. Yeah, and it's the coolest thing, just seeing this light just like blaze and flash all around you, and you emerge from this completely unscathed. Uh, and the glass hopper, uh, I think there's like a deep crack down the center of its head, and it like... Uh, 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 stumbles off and, and, and moves away, um, uh, thus clearing your progress track uh, of chase. Uh, a bit more like obliterate, but uh, <laughs> your, your progress track is clear and you are safe. As the, the sort of lightning, you know, the dust, the proverbial light dust settles, um, I think uh, Helix just sort of has a moment to himself where he maybe regrets harming this this creature in such a way, but uh, was sort of caught up in the the thrill of being barreled down upon um, while also winning uh, a game uh, was just kind of too much of a rush for him. And now that, now that things have calmed down, he's like, that wasn't a very smart choice. I could really hurt myself and I hurt this creature. He's just kind of gonna have to live with that. Helix! Oh my god, that was so totally Gridge, bro! That was awesome! <laughs> yeah, Maeve turns to the remaining members of the Wick, kind of like sheepishly lets go of Walt and, and turns to the Wick sisters and is like, that's game! We had it as the clock. You saw the timer run out. I saw the timer run out. That's game. We win. Uh, yeah, and this is Wanda who's speaking. Yeah, okay, you win. Can we go? Oh, uh, yeah, I mean... You're right, we should probably, yeah. Yeah, I think we've uh, made an indelible mark on this plane. Vux, yeah, we have. Lena. Yes, Dave. Before we move on, I, I want to do this here because it, uh, it happened here. Uh, would I be able to use a, a kick uh, uh, to say that uh, my pro camera gear that is uh, innately in my head 
captured specifically the moment of Helix shooting the creature and like the lightning going past him and everything like that. Like that my cameras were just as it captures everything around me anyways, but like it was able to get a clean shot and uh, of that moment. I will say that you can capture the moment, but I don't think I want to kick from you. Uh, I'm going to say you had to sort of angle yourself in a way that this light got pretty dangerously close to you. If you're willing to mark a trouble, I will let you do it. I'll take a a singular trouble. Fantastic. The glasshopper being defeated and the game being called uh, a a rather shaken trio of the wicks uh, leads you toward the thin zone. Uh, You see uh, three sort of glass shards uh, about the size of street lights, big, thick, sharp, uh, circling around each other, constantly entangled by their own gravitational pull. And between these three shards, they they make quite a wide space between them. You make your way towards the thin zone. You accelerate and kick into nth gear and you shoot right into the middle of this formation. And for a brief moment, the briefest nanosecond, you feel this rush of nothing as you inhabit this space between spaces. And as soon as that feeling washes over you, it vanishes and you land on a cold, smooth, slick, platform. Uh, the, the tinkling glass and psionic static is just suddenly gone and is replaced by falling rain and a, a hum of electricity. Instead of this golden glow or the stark blackness of the portal, you see bright LED lights and reflective glass. Uh, and instead of the smell of psionic residue, you smell chemicals and steel. Instead of these three glass shards that have been circling you as you made your way through the portal, now surrounding you on all sides are three triangular, gargantuan towers looming overhead, their sides glowing with changing advertisements and their smooth walls reaching up to impossible heights. You're home. (laughs) Welcome back to the plane of Operablum. It's me, Lena, your Slugmaster Game Blaster, wanting to thank you so, so much for listening to Season 2 of Quantum Kickflip. I am so, so excited about this world, these characters, this story, and I'm excited that you're here along for the ride with me. Want to run your very own game of Slug Blaster? Well, you're in luck because it is now available for purchase. You can get the book, form a crew, and kick your tabletop gaming experience into nth gear. The link to the Slug Blaster store is in the show notes of this episode. We are at Quantum Kickflip on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube, so be sure to follow us for new episode updates, audiograms, and more. 
You can also subscribe to us on Patreon, where for just five bucks a month, you can get early access to every new episode of Quantum Kickflip, as well as bi-weekly bonus content, such as the Session Zero for Operablum, where we talk about the world, the towers, and the characters. I'd also like to thank our sponsors at the Alberta Media Arts Alliance Society, whose goal is to advocate, educate, and celebrate the media arts in Alberta. You can check them out at amaas.ca. And finally, we are proud members of the Alberta Podcast Network, who have a ton of amazing locally made shows over at albertapodcastnetwork.com. We release Quantum Kickflip bi-weekly, so you can catch the next exciting adventure with this new crew on Wednesday, October 19th. We're going to get you right back to the action, but first, I'm going to throw it over to the Wix with some words from our sponsors. Hey, what's up? It's us, the Wix. I'm Wanda Wick, the leader of the Wix. And I'm Wendy Wick. Whitney's hair toe. This episode of Quantum Kickflip is brought to you by Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider in Alberta, offering internet, electricity, and natural gas with low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. Winter is coming, and energy usage for all Albertans will be increasing. So now is a great time for listeners to look at their utility bills and ensure they're on the best plan. Albertans have a choice who they pay their utility bills to. Park Power is happy to provide free no-obligations comparisons. If you decide to switch providers, it's easy, and you can feel good knowing you're supporting a local business and helping to give back to our communities with your utilities bills. Learn more at parkpower.ca. Sounds like Park Power really makes things easy for these so-called Albertans. Hey Whitney, after this, you need to tell me what winter is, because I don't think we have that in Operablum. This episode of Quantum Kickflap is also brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Even if you're a busy business owner with more meetings than hours in a day, you are calm and collected when your group benefit plan is taken care of by Alberta Blue Cross. Your employees can manage their own health, dental, life, and disability coverage online, anytime, on any device. Making it easier for them and for you! To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. Whitney's showing me her app that calculates her hours in the day and how many meetings she can book in that time. Does it help you feel calm and collected, Whitney? No? No, you're shaking your head? Oh, well, maybe the group benefit plan with Alberta Blue Cross is the way to go then. Anyway, go listen to the episode some more. Bye! So, you are all back in your home dimension of Operablum. Um, where you find yourselves is, like, it is clearly abandoned. It is on a skyway between the three triangular mega towers. It's kind of open air. It's not perfectly sealed. Uh, and it's kind of low. These towers are hundreds of floors high, and they're built ever higher because the entirety of the terrain of Operablum is smothered by this toxic fog that rises higher and higher, causing the residents of these towers to build them higher and higher. You know, all of you living on this dimension, that roughly the first 150 floors of the towers are just 
encased, covered by this fog, completely uninhabitable. And so the towers have all agreed that the 50 floors above, up to floor two, is what they call it. It is, of course, floor 200, 200, or colloquially known as two, is the buffer zone. Nobody goes south of two. And you recognize from a couple of um, sort of signs, engravings, and in, in pillars on the skyway, you're on floor 198. And you see another engraving that is uh, labeled with faded letters, Trinity Municipark. Though there's no park here anymore. It's all large rectangular plots that you assume must have held flora at some point. Uh, A big column in the center with water spouts lining the top. It must have been a water feature. Um, Some benches, some that are just bolts. Um, But the five of you plus the three wicks uh, sort of land in Trinity Park on floor 198. Uh, I think maybe Wanda gets to her feet and like kind of dusts herself off and is like, wow, um, oh my god, gang, that that was a, a little bit intense, I think. Um, I, I thought we were just going to cheese it and get out of here, but you all kind of took that thing on, huh? Let the record show that we won. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we don't we don't quit just because a because a monster shows up. That's a that's a bad way to slug blast, if you ask me. We had a game going. We see it through. Uh, well, if you ask me, and this is Wendy, we've kind of been doing this for a while, and when something wants to kill you, you don't let it. <laughs> yeah, we didn't let it either, huh? <laughs> and then Whitney just, like, glares at you when you say that. Well, the important thing is we all got out alive, so so that's good. And, you know, I, I think we still got some pretty sick footage out of that, right, Whitney? And Whitney just glares at all of you again. <laughs> yeah, make sure you put up the part where, where we won, right? The part where Helix exploded that glass hopper and, and held his ground. Make make sure that, that gets, uh, tag us in that. <sighs> I mean, it did all stream automatically. We can't exactly edit these videos. So, yes, everyone is seeing it. And, and based on the look on Whitney's face, it looks like it's been getting a lot of traction and love. So... You're welcome. Uh, Helix walks over to Walton and uh, put, puts out a... I think maybe uh, fist bumps are are there. Um, handshakes. Um, oh, yeah. Oper- operable in handshakes. Um, but but puts out a fist uh, to, to uh, a sort of good uh, good game that was uh, well played. Oh, absolutely. Game recognized game. And uh, he reciprocates the bump. Oh, Maeve, when you had that giant wrecking ball thing and you... That was so great, and just Helix, that shot, that was so great. And Tre- Trev 4, yeah, you had some good tackling, man, and in your guidance, that was Gridge, totally Gridge. <laughs> yeah, when you lit up the weak point on that glasshopper, like, how did you even know? ELT is a part of my programming to recognize <laughs> such things. I take it that I have helped you uh, perform better. Uh, indeed, you have. Renting you was a canny investment. Yeah, Vux, right? You did. Things were looking pretty vorgal out there, but then you came in and it all it all turned out fine. This satisfies me. Oh, jeez. As as much fun as this all has been, I think I'm about ready to call it for the day. Uh, uh, Scampy can return, and with that, uh, Walt holds up the little. Uh, 
digital board kin device uh, that, that is shrunk back down from the full board to its little digivice-sized yellow object, and he uh, zoops, Scampykin kind of digitizes back and pu- is pulled back within the a- uh, the device where he lives. He's a little AI entity, and you see a little pixelated shrimp guy on the, the small screen. Oh. <laughs> it's like a Tamagotchi, but it also expands out into your hoverboard. Oh. Yes, yeah, it 100% <laughs> just becomes Tamagotchi to board and back and forth like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that so uh, Maeve was idly, like, popping the hard light bubbles and kind of, like, marveling at this this cute little guy when you called him back. Uh, and I think doing that kind of snaps her out of it, and she's like, oh, you're you're taking off? Well, listen, you, uh, I mean, I, I know we were in competition, and, and I know we totally creamed you guys, but, uh, you know, you... you, you you look good out there. I mean, not look good, but like you were, um, oh, she, and she's just stammering. <laughs> yeah, you totally creamy with that foam. It was awesome. Bryn has no concept of tact. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, Bryn. I, when my cousins first invited me to this, I didn't know, I didn't know you'd be on the other team. It's, it's great to see you again. Uh, yeah, in the flesh instead of digital. <laughs> you two know each other? Yeah, back when they did, uh, what was it, Cross Tower Pen Pals? Oh, man, that was ages ago. That was before, you know, things got bad again. <laughs> yeah, when the when the corporations actually kind of tried to get along. Yeah, speaking of that, what is this place that we're in now? It it looks like it connects to all three, and I mean, I haven't been in Operablem that long, but it doesn't seem like many places do that. Trinity Municipal Park was built during a time when the corporations that govern Operablem uh, got along a little better. Uh, there's still some intersecting pedways uh, in the higher floors, uh, for sure. Cooperation br- does breed progress, it's undeniable, but uh, the care and attention that went into spaces like this, not around much anymore. Another relic of the past, like the uh, pen pal program. <laughs> Precisely. Helix is uh, looking off wistfully uh, webward, which is towards the direction of the web tower. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> nice. Well, yeah, I, I know Slug Blessing is not really my main thing at all, but y- you all showed some great moves here. I, if any, if, if, if all you can keep up with my cousins, I, that's something. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I think the Wicks kind of just like look at each other um, uh, for a moment. They don't really uh, say much. And they're like, well, um, uh, to, to that specific remark. Uh, and Wanda says, well, we should really get going. Um it was fun. And Wendy goes, yeah, it was super fun. Uh, and Wanda goes, come on, Walt, we should go. Uh, right, totally. Uh, have a great day, though. And the four wicks make their way towards Kindred Multiversal Megatower, leaving Team Tetrachromacy alone. Uh, Trev, for uh, his, uh, you know, cameras are taking in everything and processing what he sees. And uh, uh, he approaches Helix, and um, it seems that this should be a joyous celebration, but you do not seem to be joyous. You seem to be perplexed. Is there a problem? Uh, yeah, Helix is caught a little off guard by the, the f- sort of forthrightness of it, and it's like, oh, my, I guess my emotions betray me. Um, I'm usually a little more uh, well-balanced, uh, I I had all the calculations done in that moment. The the, the countdown to win Quantum Conquer, the uh, distance between the Glasshopper and the disc, and our uh, way back here to Operablen. 
Um, but uh, yeah, I, I just was was overtaken with with adrenaline and and it was, it was such a rush. I, I I I don't think my calculations were correct. So I'm just just thinking uh, about what would have happened if you weren't there to to, to steady my aim. Um, so, uh, like I said earlier, a, a canny investment to be sure. Thank you. Let me assure you that rely upon the help of a Trevor unit does not mean that you lack skill. In fact, it shows that uh, you are very care- capable. I am glad that I was able to help you. You are very impressive in order to pull off that shot. And uh, Trevor's uh, like, he gives a thumbs up, <laughs> and then his uh, his right thumb, uh, the, the, where the thumbprint would be, it, that it slides up and it reveals a little star sticker, and uh, <laughs> he goes forward and like sticks a little star sticker uh, onto Helix's like you know uh, left shoulder, and just like you did very well. It was impressive. Uh, and Helix, if you're stressing out about blowing up that glasshopper, like, you know, that's that's just kind of how it goes sometimes. I mean, we're not out to cause destruction or nothing, but it's slug blast and there's giant monsters. And sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Sometimes giant monsters get blown up. That's that's kind of part of it. Right. And Maeve is totally sincere in this. She doesn't think it's a big deal that you did what you did. Um but at the same time, your eye probably can't help but be drawn to the emblem that's been on her jacket this whole time, uh, which you and Brinley would both recognize as the symbol of the Arborists, who are mm-hmm. uh, an order of monks tasked with um, uh, overseeing the balance of the multiverse and protecting interdimensional harmony and who maybe wouldn't be entirely on board with this philosophy of monsters get blown up sometimes, who gives a shit? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, But uh, this irony doesn't seem to register to Maeve at all in this moment. I suppose you're right. Nonetheless, I had a great run with you all. Uh, Thanks again. Yeah, this crew's pretty awesome and could stand to, you know, expand to include Trev 4 or... I don't know, maybe one of the Wicks wants to join up one time, or all of them. That'd be awesome. Can you imagine an eight-person crew? That would be killer. It would make sense that you would make an alliance with the Wicks, as I have seen Maybelline clearly have an attachment to uh, Walton. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I'd say an attachment. I just, I, I, I think he, he would be a valuable asset, and, oh, can you imagine... Like, like all the Wicks is one thing, but but can you imagine if we were the crew that that got Walton Wick to join? Like they they've clearly been trying to pull him into the fold for a while now. They've been bringing him out on runs and stuff. They they clearly want to expand their little family empire of slug blasters. And and if he was to join us instead of them, I mean, that's the kind of thing that gets people talking. That's the kind of thing that gets you in the in the gossip column in Slug Blaster magazine. I I think we should go for it. Yeah, totally. I do like the little. Uh... Uh, prawn uh, Daibokin. It's uh, very charming. <laughs> yeah, he can be our mascot. He can go on stickers and stuff. Um, unless you wanted to be that, Trev Four. I don't know. I don't know. If I'm stepping on your toes there. Do you have toes? She looks down at his robot feet to see if he has toes. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're, ju- they're just solid feet. <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> well, um, all the same. It does not offend me. Uh, it, do not worry. I am glad that I have been a uh, help to you. Uh, and 
showing initiative to recruit quality employees to your crew shows that you are willing to do what it takes. I don't need a gold star. I see where you're building up to here. I don't need one of your stickers, Trev. And and and, and like Trev has the uh, like his right <laughs> thumb up and just like oh, and then like the the cover goes down and covers up his uh, right thumbprint again. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, um, do I get a gold star? Lay it on me. And Tre- uh, Trevor like turns and looks at you and like scans <laughs> and scans. <laughs> I am very glad that you are a part of the crew. You were, uh, you helped us uh, accomplish the tax. So uh, Trev uh, just looks at you, uh, Brindley, and gives you this platitude. Uh, and as he does so, uh, Brindley and Maybelline, both of your phones, uh, buzz in your pockets. Um, and it sort of, uh, uh, draws all of your attention to a couple things. Um, you can, uh, sort of tell, you're, you're tuned into the, the rhythm of Operablem in the Towers. Uh, you're pretty sure it's at the end of a shift, uh, where, where each of your sort of towers are at this point. Um, and the other thing that it sort of reminds you is your phones go off and, and both of you sort of think, oh must be someone from Lansdon because your phone's networks only connect to your own tower. It had been alluded to before that things aren't great with the towers right now, and you sort of realize in this moment, you don't know how you would reach Walton. And the other thing that sort of occurs to you is you have places to be. Listen, gang, this has been fun, but uh, I'm, I'm looking at the time and the Time's not looking good, so uh, I'll, I'll shoot y'all a message. We'll we'll plan the next run. Yes, sounds good. All right. Uh, and Maeve hops on her board and kicks off. Yeah, Bryn joins her. Going, they 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 go in the same direction. Yeah. Uh, Helix goes a slightly different direction because he's from Web Tower. Heads off down a separate branch. Yeah, separate branch on on this uh, Mutasa Park. You know, intersecting pedways in the open air. Skates away on his hard light hoverboard. And uh, Trevor uh, is initially just like standing there and like is analyzing everybody like leaving. And uh, his programming tells him, well, I guess his job is done and starts returning to the kindred multiversal mega tower. I'm just realizing now you've like we're done with you. So we just leave you there like a lime scooter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's tracked uh, on an app somewhere, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There, there is enough prime directives in him that just like, oh, okay, I guess all of these things are complete. Well, now I'll just return home as I'm supposed to yeah. and start walking away. Picturing like a top-down camera angle, like slowly pulling away as we all head to different corners of this triangular park and off into different towers. Mm. Yeah, the four of you go in three separate directions. We're going to follow Helix. Helix, you make your way to the Web Corporation Mega Tower. Uh, above you, uh, one of the, the neon billboards sort of uh, displays an advertisement. Uh, and it's um, good paste and good is trademarked. And it says, now with even more vitamin B12. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you enter... Um, through the doors into the tower, you find yourself um, in what seems to be the courtyard of an old, old university. 
and you can sort of logic out that the way to go is the library, because uh, it should be multiple stories. And yes, parts of the library are in the legal buffer zone, but if you get up high enough, uh, you should be able to find your way to where you need to go. Uh, so you do make your way to the library, up the stairs, um, and manage to sort of make your way back to floor 200 without incident. Uh, and from there, you can get to where you need to go. And where you need to go is home. What does home look like for Helix? Uh, yeah, I think uh, he lives sort of midway up the tower. Um, pretty pretty middle, you know, middle class kind of uh, somewhere. I actually say right, right at 500. He's right at 500, which is, by our calculations, the middlest of the towers. Because um, <laughs> the whole bottom chunk of them are in, uninhabitable. So, um, yeah, it makes his way up to, to floor 500. Um, uh, just there's a long row of, of matching tenement apartments sort of lit by dull fluorescent white light, but the walls have kind of like a purpley tinge to them. Um, so the whole thing kind of looks like a, a bit dreamy blue. Um, he lives there with one other individual, um, presses his thumb to the uh, fingerprint scanner uh, that unlocks the door. Uh, the door slide open with like a sound um and uh enters into uh the the two beds sort of two bedroom apartment you see a person that you are expecting you see your foster parent who is in charge of your you know day-to-day well-being you also see someone that maybe you weren't expecting ginevra the scientist and and doctor who is in charge of your overall well-being and ginevra does not look particularly impressed as you walk through the door. Hmm. How good of you to join us, Helix. Ginevra, we aren't scheduled to meet again for another uh, five shifts. We were scheduled to meet at the end of the previous shift, if you recall. I believe I put a application into the scheduling app to have that moved uh, because I was preoccupied. It's not my fault you left my request on red. Hmm. Hmm. So, you were doing something more important. I believe so. Oh, well, 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 I mean, as I said, um, you know, a good old Helix, (laughs) he's sharpening his skills. He's doing some other uh, big important things, as I said. Um, and, and, And he seems to be fine, right? I'm, I'm picturing you just kind of uh, this this parent. Um, uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> maybe you're sitting on like a very like boxy looking couch with a really low back, uh, and and Ginevra uh-huh. is just like standing in the middle of the room, and and Helix and and Ginevra are staring daggers at each other, and you're just kind of down there, kind of like piping up <laughs> at this moment. Well, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. yeah. Buck's statement is accurate. I am completely fine. I can smell psionic lightning lingering on your clothes, Helix. Mm. Do you see any psionic lightning damage to my skin? No, but it still means... Do you see any psionic lightning singes to my hair follicles? No. Do you see any psionic lightning damage done to the little bottom of my uh, purple jumpsuit, as if I got zapped on my tuchus uh, like a naughty little boy. (laughs) 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 
I suppose the answer is no to that as well. Uh, so yes, I am fine. Thank you, Doctor. You admit you were off-world then? <sighs> yes, I was in Prismatia playing with my friends. Hmm. Hmm. She takes a note. Well, uh, well, you know, I think it's possible that if, uh, you know, Helix had stayed here, uh, he might have ran into some, uh, what was this, a psionic lightning? Well, I mean, you never know when psionic lightning might get you, you know, uh, from what I understand. Um, it's a naturally occurring phenomenon of uh, Prismatia, but I uh, appreciate your support, Buck. Well, you know, I'm just here to help you. I, I mean... You know what? I'm just going to be quiet. Yes. <laughs> I imagine that would be wise. Now, Helix, since you are opting to shirk your scheduled progress report, I will see you in five shifts, but know that I am displeased with the direction that you've been going as of late. You are very precious to us, and we cannot have you risking things Risking yourself on such adventures. Yeah, we love you a lot. <laughs> I recognize my position as an asset of the Web Corporation. Thank you. And she turns to Bach and she goes, keep an eye on him. Oh, yeah. I, well, you got it. Don't worry. <laughs> That's what I've been doing. Uh, Ginevra leaves at this point and uh, Bach looks to you, Helix, and... He normally, you know, has your back, but you can sense there is some worry there. Um, it's unusual for Ginevra to make a house call like this, and it's it's set him a bit on edge, and maybe he's having some doubts. I mean, she didn't even tell me she was coming over. I didn't even get a chance to clean, clean up around here. Buck, disregard her concerns. I am... As you know, uh, bred to be perfectly capable and uh, make sound decisions uh, whenever the need should arrive. So please understand that, well, I am leaving the world and I am uh, what some might call shenanigans uh, with my friends. I, I, I assure you I am taking every precaution and uh, ensuring that my position as an asset of the Web Corporation is never in any real jeopardy. In fact, uh, as a contingency we rented a uh, trev model robot that was invaluable in calculating exactly where and when we needed to be so uh please rest easy uh i am in capable hands my own the most genetically capable hands there are oh well i mean i i've always trusted you you're you're uh you're a smart fella and i'm just you know i'm i'm proud of you you know i i've I, I trust your judgment, and that you wouldn't get into too much trouble. I appreciate that. Good night, Bach. Uh, uh, good night, Helix. I, uh, I love you. I love you too, Bach. Good night. And uh, Helix, as you make your way to your room, um, uh, Bach sort of watches you go, uh, and his eyes fall to the barcode tattooed on the back of your neck. Uh, this concludes your player beat, and you can clear your one style and four trouble. Brinley. Mm. You and Maeve make your way together to Lansdon Enterprise Megatower, um, and 
what you enter into is an empty floor as far as you can see, only marked at this point by pillars. This is, of course, a standard practice of Lansden to clear out the lower floors um, for multiple reasons. One, to give them more resources as they build higher and higher, but two, to eventually uh, install purifiers, uh, giant purifiers, uh, that will hopefully stop the toxic fog from rising higher than floor 200. Uh, they haven't gotten to this floor yet, they haven't needed to, but it is something that they are ever prepared for. You make your way up some stairs along the side wall, uh, sneak into the ductwork, and navigate your way out until you find yourself in the uh, orchestra pit of an old theater. <laughs> Again, floor two, not a lot of theater goers this low down, uh, and you exit stage right out the actor's door and are safely on floor 200 and get where you need to go. Uh, at this point, uh, Brinley, checking your phone, uh, you see some missed messages uh, from a contact named Arachne Jam. Uh, you know them as your manager uh, at the uh, courier uh, delivery place where you work. Uh-oh. Hi. Open the messages. Uh, most uh, of the messages are like pretty like hurried. Uh, uh, Arachne is the type of person that sends multiple very short messages. Uh, and it says things like, call me when you can. Need you to call by end of shift. Please call. Last minute delivery. They asked for you. Okay, looks like I got to take this. I'll see you later, Maeve. What? Well, uh, yeah, uh, Maeve's absorbed in her own phone and isn't totally paying attention. Was like, yeah, uh, talk soon. And I, uh, I call back Arachne. I, I like the idea that Operablem does all video calls, if that's <laughs> cool with you. Totally. Um, so this, this uh, pale face just, like, fills your video feed uh, with these white eyes that are uh, big even for Operablem standards. And there's this just, like, kind of flustered person on the other end is like, Oh, oh, thank God. Okay, you, you, you called me back. Um, great. So, uh... I need you to pick up a delivery, and uh, I'm going to send you the pin right now. Uh, and there's a ping on your phone as you see uh, where you need to go. Um, and Arachne says, uh, yeah, uh, please, just uh, if you can come pick up this package and drop it off there right away. Uh, they, they said they wanted it done by end of shift, and I, I know that doesn't give you a lot of time, but they also specifically asked for you. Otherwise, I would have sent a drone by now. Do, do you think you can do it? <laughs> yeah, I got it. Laters. Oh, okay. And then they get cut off as you uh, uh, quickly and confidently hang up on them. Um, so we're going to say that you know by heart how to get to the post office. Where do you see it pictured in this in Lansden Enterprise Mega Tower? Um, I think that's, that's like pretty utilitarian. So maybe it's in the 400s somewhere. And probably pretty like central maybe. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, so you take a, a quick hyperlift up to floor uh, 437. You get to the post office, and, and Arachne is there uh, behind the desk. Uh, uh, behind them is just, like, uh, a vast sort of hallway with, like, cubbies upon cubbies. Um, some that you know are for, like, mail and packages, and some that you know are for the drones. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, good. Okay, here you go. And and they give you this sort of rectangular pass package that's uh, not really labeled. It's a little hard to tell. Maybe there's like a computer part or something in there. Um, but it's it's pretty 
uh, uh, rectangular and opaque, so it's it's hard to tell the contents. All right. Uh, anything else I need to know? Uh, no, because you've got like three minutes. All right. <laughs> See you later. See ya. And they get cut off as you uh, uh, bolt back out the door. <laughs> Uh, so Brinley starts running, mm-hmm. uh, and as she goes, uh, is the is the pin higher or lower than the post office? Uh, I'm gonna say it's lower. It's sort of in like the mid 300s. Let's say it's uh, uh, 364. Cool. Um, so you might expect that she goes to the hyperlift, but instead she goes to a nearby pedway. Okay. Uh, and finds a like. I don't know why it's there. Let's say it's a trap door. Um, sure. Some some kind of like service hatch. Or maybe it's like, I'm picturing this being like a pedway inside Lansden itself. Mm, um, mm-hmm. So it might just be an open pedway. You know, okay, taking the, cool. the view of Lansden. There's not much to view to be honest, but it's still kind of like an open thing. Sure. Uh, yeah, so she runs to the pedway and uh, vaults over the side. People gawk as you go into a free fall. And then she uh, uses her gravity gauntlet to uh, attach to a nearby pedway a la Spider-Man <laughs> and goes swinging down Yeah, um, and kind of continues in this manner. Like she, she hits the wall, uses her hand to steady herself, slides down, gravi- gravities to another pedway and just like makes her way down in, in this way as fast as she possibly can. Amazing. So you're just basically like dropping in gravity, vaulting yourself down. What did I say? Like 70 floors? Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> uh, 364 uh, approaches ever closer. You're kind of at the center. You need to make your way closer to the edge. Um, and, and as the pin sort of uh, uh, gets closer, you, you realize that it's kind of like uh, uh, sort of another like similar tenement apartment sort of situation but these are kind of like apartments slash studios like the people that want to live where they work kind of situation mm-hmm. so it's kind of in a grid but I'll say it's like uh, uh, you have to get into a hallway but it's like a fairly like tall sort of hallway um, maybe with some like uh, uh, pillars and like uh, little like corner chairs and stuff where people can sort of uh, uh, sit, uh, should they so choose, or go on break, let's say. As she uh, reaches floor 364, uh, and she breaks out into a run down the pedway, down the hallway, fully vaults over the chairs, does not swerve around them, goes completely straight over them, doing that like that parkour leap that they do, you know? You know the yeah. one. Oh, yeah. I can picture it. Yes. Uh, and, and like... She doesn't wall run on the pillars because that would be uh, inefficient. Okay. But it would be cool. Hmm. <laughs> Do you use your gravity beam to sort of like pull yourself and just like you're almost sliding along the floor? Yeah. Yeah. I do that. Nice. Uh, the pin gets closer and closer and you get to the door. All right. Uh, she knocks. You knock. Uh, the door opens uh, and this tall, thin, angular sort of operablin answers the door. She's got long mint green hair that's kind of uh, pulled to one side and is just kind of tumbling over one's uh, shoulder. 
Um, yeah, like the same sort of washed out complexion that, that opera blondes tend to have, uh, and, uh, yellow eyes. And she kind of, with these yellow eyes, like glances, looks you up and down, sort of leans out past the door frame and looks out the window and sees that the, the wall lights along the walls of the hallway are still like the sort of incandescent or like maybe like more of a fluorescent white actually uh they haven't yet flickered over to the the more incandescent feeling yellow that would indicate that the shift has changed and she looks at you and she says well i am impressed (laughs) uh special delivery well thank you so much and she takes the the package from you uh grabs her phone presses a button and you hear a ping on your phone as the pin disappears and the little like chung sound that uh indicates that you did get paid for this delivery yay that's right on time i i have to admit i i wanted to see you in action and i am not disappointed thanks a lot it's (laughs) it's it's what i do (laughs) seem a little out of breath there i did run a lot (laughs) you didn't take the lift no that's way too slow Well, dang. Uh, Color me even more impressed. My name's Hattie. I'm going to be talking to the person that employs you. You seem to have a lot of potential. Nice to meet you, Hattie. I'm Brindley. Have you ever thought of delivering cross towers, Brindley? (gasps) Oh my gosh. That that would be awesome. That would would be so grinch. (laughs) Well, uh... Occasionally, I have some deliveries that need to be made. I, of course, can't do them myself, but maybe we can pull some strings for you. That would be extremely excellent. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for this very timely delivery, Brindley. You have yourself a good, uh, new shift. You too. Take care. Laters. Uh, And you make your way down the hallway, your heart still pounding uh, from the, the rush of this delivery that you made and your success and this exciting potential new opportunity. Uh, And you can clear your one style. Yay! Maybelline. Yeah. You break off from Brinley. You said that you were um, engrossed in your own phone. And you have every right to be because you have several missed messages from a contact named Sharla. Um, And you have just one, just one, missed call from a contact in your phone that you've just named the warden. (laughs) I see. Yeah, Maeve uh, throws her, uh, I mean, she's already riding her board, but uh, uh, kicks off again and and starts to sort of lean into it a little harder. Yes, because you need to get back to the Arborist Temple. You know that your friend Sharla uh, has an event going on in her honor that you need to get to and, and you can't be late. Yeah, she looks down at her phone and is like, ah, fucks, I completely forgot, and kicks off. Um, I think she's she's going pretty full tilt to try and get back in time, but but also takes a moment to sort of revel in just, like, uh, the emptiness and the, the isolation. I think she's not not entirely a social person, and, and uh, having this moment, not just away from the crew, but away from everyone, the public, the tower... Uh, just, just like, takes a moment to enjoy it as it's whizzing past. Yeah, I like that. You, and 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 this is a, especially on floor two, uh, it's, it's pretty quiet. It's pretty empty. 
uh, and you can just feel the air sort of rushing past you and just this this quiet as you make your way towards the hyperlift that is going to take you up to the Arborist Temple. Um, I have thoughts about this, but what does the Arborist Temple look like? Ooh, honestly, I hadn't considered it much. I think it's, um, I get big, like, church in a mall vibes. Yes. Like it's trying to capture some of the, because the the Arborists are are an order of monks from Thenispar, and and in Thenispar there's a lot of ancient architecture and and old, old uh, installations. And I think here, just by virtue of, of when, you know, first contact between dimensions was made and stuff, I think this was built a lot more recently. And out of necessity, the whole world being three big towers, I think it's, you know, it is an indoor temple taking advantage of whatever space is available. So it's it's trying to emulate some of that grandeur, but it, it just kind of can't based on where it is. Yeah. Uh, I like that. It's like a beautiful, ornate carving, and right beside it is the equivalent of a Jugo juice. <laughs> exactly. Yep. <laughs> Incredible. Um, so you you make your way there. I think there are like a couple of sort of sections to this temple, right? There's probably dorm rooms and classrooms and stuff like that, kind of uh, baked into some of the upper floors and surrounding areas. Um, but you are you are headed for the sanctuary. Uh, and you you uh, rush in. Uh, I think you sort of take like a side sort of entrance into the sanctuary that would sort of take you sort of just off stage um, because that is where you anticipate your friend Charlotte to be. And your anticipation is correct. She is there uh, in robes that you don't normally see her in. Uh, this is kind of a big deal for Charlotte right now. Uh, and she turns and she... Uh, notices you. She she's uh, operablen. She's wearing the two armed robes, but robes that aren't normal to her. And she she turns and notices you. M- Maybelline, sweet Farts, I didn't know if you were gonna make it on time. Yeah. Uh, listen, Charla, I'm really sorry about that. I I meant to be here sooner, but y- you know how it gets sometimes. Uh, did I did I miss it? No, I'm. I'm actually I'm I'm just a few up from next. But wait, were you out? Were you blasting again? Hey, hey, listen, it, it doesn't matter. Today's about you. Today's your day. Let's not make this about me, okay? This is this is a big day for you. You've been waiting for this. I don't I don't wanna I don't wanna spoil it at all. I'm here now. I should have been here sooner. I am sorry, but um I, I I wanna be here for you. No, no, you're right. That's it's all okay. I I'm glad you made it. And uh she pulls you into a hug, I think. You can feel she's trembling a little. She's quite nervous, but she's happy you're there. Um, I don't think Maeve gives a lot of hugs, just the type of person she is. But I think, uh, ironically, she gives great hugs. Those extra forearms uh, <laughs> just like wrap around you. And I think uh, squeeze you a little tighter than than usual. And and she kind of looks at, looks you in the eye and says, are, are you nervous? Well, you know, it's... It's not something that happens every day, but it, it it's bound to be exciting. It's 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 a really big thing for for us to to grow this way. And gosh, I I I, I guess it, it's all a little much right now. But knowing that both you and I have come here is is pretty thrilling. 
Well, this is a touching reunion indeed. And uh, both of you turn to see this tall uh, Uh He has like kind of pale sapphire sort of skin. Uh, his hair is pushed back. Uh, he's got really tiny round glasses. Uh, and he's got one book under his two left forearms. Uh, and he, he looks at you, Maybelline, and says, It is good to see that you are taking these types of ceremonies uh, seriously, Maybelline. This is very promising. This, of course, is Forrester Tarment, who is in charge of the Operablin branch of the Arborist Temple, and thus the one in charge of Maybelline's progress. Ah, she turns to look at him and says, Good day, Warden, uh, uh, Tarment, Forrester Tarment, sir. Well, we should probably get you to the sanctuary so that you can watch the ceremony, Maybelline, of of course, we've we've discussed your progress, and you're not yet quite ready to graduate to this level quite yet. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, each each in our own time. I know how it goes. Um, and she kind of like, let's go. I think she still had her, her arms on, on Charlotte's back, and she sort of like, let's go with a hug, but sort of slides both forearms down one arm and, and gives your hand a little squeeze with one hand and then a little squeeze with the other hand. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> two of them. Uh, and then says, uh, I'll see you in there. You're you're going to be great. Uh, and and follows after Tarment. Uh, uh, Tarment kind of just gives you sort of an approving look and, and a nod uh, as the two of you uh, make your way to the sanctuary. You take your seat in one of the aisles and uh, Tarment uh, goes off. And, and you sort of watch this ceremony unfold, and, and you see Charlotte take the stage, um, and, and an arborist there is, is uh, speaking to her, and she's nodding. And it is very important, and, and you're very happy for her, but you can't help but feel your eyes kind of start to glaze over a little bit. And just sort of continuing to think back on the run that you had, and, and not fully taking in, you're there for your friend, but the overall ceremony just kind of washes over you in this moment. And you can clear your one style. Trev 4, your prime directive has taken over and you make your way to the Kindred Multiversal Mega Tower. Uh, You enter the uh, remnants of an old mall and the faded sign uh, overhead says Zenith 98 Hub. Your navigation technology is impeccable as you move through neglected employee hallways of the mall, uh, through an old sort of maze, uh, and eventually find yourself in the neglected employee hallways of an old call center on floor two. Um, And that is how you make your way back into the legal areas of Kindred Multiversal Mega Tower. Um, You take a lift back to the repurposed robotic personnel where you are stationed. What does this place look like? This is one of the many rooms on this floor. It's not a huge space. It's a relatively smaller space um, where, uh, you know, there's a desk up at the front. You can see all these, like, different uh, parts up uh, hanging on the wall that uh, change week to week depending on, you know, what's available and what's sold and 
everything. Um, but if people want to uh, rent a robot or buy robot parts, this is the place you can come uh, to get uh, a good deal. And uh, Trev4 um, walks uh, kind of into the space where he uh, normally returns to at the end of a, a, a day, uh, turns around, gets ready to like uh, back into a plug uh, that will go into his back. As you uh, enter this shop, as you make your way towards this port where you're going to back in, uh, this little, uh, uh, it almost looks like a scrubber brush, a sentient scrubber brush, Mm -hmm. uh, sort of scuttles up to you and like climbs up your surface and starts like giving you a little polish and you can sense there's like, there's, uh, in addition to the bristles, there's like a little like almost like static bristles that are like cleaning up the psionic static that you've sort of accumulated. Um, and it's just sort of giving you a little shine and is making its way up along your uh, chassis and up your arms and legs. Uh, and, and following this little scrubber bot is uh, the mechanic in charge of the uh, repurposed robotic personnel uh, and just sort of uh, looks you over with a, a slight concern. Hey there, uh, Trev. How's uh, how how was the how was the run? The run was successful. Uh, we yeah, satisfied customers to... all around, or what? I believe so. They uh, were happy with my performance. That's good. That's good. You uh, keep them keep them coming back. That's the way we get them, right? You get them on the lease. I, I believe that it will be possible for them to come back and. Lease me again. Yeah, repeat business. That's what I like to hear. You got to keep the customer satisfied and you get the repeat business. Uh, this is this is all looking very good, Trev. And uh, hang on, what's uh, what's what's the maintenance bot picking up there? And he kind of moves in to check some readings and is like, you got some uh, some kind of psionic static here? What's what, what, what happened here? We encountered what is known as a glass hopper inside Prismatia, and it attacked, and I did my best to protect my clients. Well, of course you did. That's what you're programmed to do. But listen, a, a glasshopper, I ain't, I ain't never heard of nothing like that. But uh, psionic static, that's uh, that can really mess with you if you take too too much of a too high a dose. It, are, are these guys taking you out on, on high-risk assignments? Should I be charging them extra for this? Or should there be like a... Uh, a hazard pay situation going on, some kind of collateral in case you come back all all loopy from the static? <laughs> I suppose it might be uh, prudent to charge them such. Uh, I am, of course, uh, uh, supposed to follow them wherever they take me, but it does seem like they did use me uh, in, a, in a dangerous area. Yeah, avoiding the terms of service there, that's going to... Need a little bit of extra incentive to uh, to take you out on stuff. See, this is what I love that uh, about you, Trev. Here, I, I know that I can trust you. You're a company bot through and through, and you're always uh, always reliable. I appreciate that. Well, I do believe that is important for us to support the kindred multiversal mega tower. And if I have been damaged and it is a part of the lease, they should pay. But I do not believe they intended to harm me. Listen, uh, it doesn't look like you're, you're too beat up this time. We'll, uh, we're not going to worry about uh, 
you know, back pay for Hazard, but uh, those those guys come back around, and from from what you tell me, they might. Uh, we might have to get him to to sign on to the next tier of the agreement here. Um, you did good, Trev. Though you 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 did real good. Thank you. I, that uh, pleases me to know that I have done well. I want to make sure that I am helping. This pleases me. Yeah, yeah. You uh, real uh, real operabilitarian. Up with people. I get it. I get it. Listen, plug yourself in and uh, and go night night. All right. I got <laughs> I got other stuff to tend to. Uh, indeed. Uh, the the mechanic goes off uh, on his other business. Uh, the the scrubber bot uh, scuttles down your leg and, and off to do its own business, uh, leaving you with the port. I uh, before the scrubber bot leaves, I want to turn towards it uh, and I appreciate the job you did. And I take uh, once, once again, my right thumb opens up. <laughs> And I put a little uh, uh, a star sticker on it, and it has like a few it's of these covered on. in star yeah, stickers. That's right. Yeah, it's it. It's you have no idea me. where they came from. This is the first one yes. that you've given it, but it is covered yeah. in star stickers. It means it probably does pretty well. It's pretty it good must. at its job. Clearly, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And the, the, the little scrubber bot beeps out, "It's a living" in Morse code. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and it, it, it uh, scuttles off to do its business, <laughs> leaving you with the port. <laughs> and, uh, I, I, you know, I back myself into it. I'm facing forward as the plug goes into my back. And, uh, I go through the normal routine, which is I upload all the data that's, uh, I, I've recovered over the, uh, over the course of the day. And, uh, I get my system updates and then I receive my daily memory wipe, leaving me uh, with no memory of what happened today. Ooh. That's right. All of the events of Prismadia just get deleted. And Trev4, you can clear your one trouble. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Walton Wick. You can just, like, walk up some stairs of this mall um, and, and get sort of through and, and onto the hyperlift. Um, you're you're going to get off first. You know, the wicks kind of live a little bit higher up than you. But you do have this moment um, in the hyperlift with your cousins, Wanda, Wendy, and Whitney. And Wanda says, whew, well, that was, uh, that was pretty great there, Walt. Uh... If you say so, Wanda, I, you, you guys know it's not really my my thing to, I, I don't slug blast to the same extent that you guys do. Well, but I mean, you could totally make a go of it. Yeah, you totally could, <laughs> Well, You should just do it. <laughs> I don't know. I Ever since you guys got me this board, I, I've really used it for the virtual pet side of it more than I ever used it for the board. Whitney raises her eyebrow. Oh, don't give me that wit. Like, I think it's super cool that you guys do it. I just, I don't know. I, I've never really had the drive for that, you know? Well, tell you what, in case you change your mind, uh, Wanda uh, takes your phone from you. Uh, and she kind of opens up the back and does something with it and then shuts it and then uh, types something in your phone. And then she types something in her phone. And then she gives your phone back to you. And she's like, there. Now you have the same access 
that we have with our phones, okay? You can reach us anytime from any tower, okay? Oh, sweet. Wow. That, that, that's amazing. Thank you. You are so welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. Slugblast <laughs> with us again, please. <laughs> um, well, yeah, well, I, I guess we'll see if, but thank you guys. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, you're a good slug blaster, Walt. And then the hyperlift door dings and the doors slide open on your floor. Yeah, but I think I may be a bit of a better pet owner. <laughs> uh, Whitney rolls her eyes. Anyway, I hope you guys have a good next shift. Yeah, you too. And you make your way out, and uh, one of them boops a card, and you see sort of like an upper number pad kind of like light up as the doors close behind them. Um, and you start to make your way home, and the, the shifts are changing. For some, the, the white lights are turning more yellow and some light music starting to play. Uh, for others, there's like a ding, ding. And there's like a chime uh, as the lights start to brighten. For for you, Walt, uh, the the lights are kind of like sunsetty gold, and they sort of change to sort of more of a blue. The neon advertisements all around you sort of like get this like orange wash to them. You know how sometimes there's like features where the blue light is taken out of LEDs so that you can sleep better. Mm. That's kind of what the advertisements are kind of going through right now as you're making your way through the streets quote unquote you're indoors but they look functionally the same as streets uh towards your apartment uh i think it happens to be along the side of the tower that looks in toward the space between all three of the towers Ooh, yeah um and as per usual as he uh unlocks the door and, and steps on inside uh, none of the lights are on you just sort of see the some of the, the faded neon shining in through the, the blinds, uh, lighting up the rest of the space through sort of uh, just environmental light in that way. And uh, Walt has been, he's had his nose down, uh, focusing on his Daibo vice, just uh, feeding Scampikin the whole time as he was walking home through the, the crowds on 303. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, and you... You make your way into your apartment, and it's empty. Um, your parents aren't home. Uh, you vaguely remember them saying something about being away for the weekend, you know, work stuff. Uh, that's, in fact, what prompted the Wicks to reach out to you in the first place. They knew you would be free, wouldn't really have much to do, and thought maybe this would be an opportunity to get you joining them. <laughs> and I think you make your way into um, your your sort of room. I, I want to know like a little bit more about Scampykin. Does he kind of just like live in the Tamagotchi the whole time? Do you ever sort of like bring him out otherwise? Yeah, I think uh, I think he can sort of come out wh whenever Walt chooses to, to sort of uh, manifest him like that. For the longest time, he's had this board, which was part digital pet, part hoverboard, and he, he's been taking care of it. But only recently did he sort of stumble into the update that allowed him to do do the hollow projection of his of his Divokin. Oh yeah. Uh, so he's for the most part he's still mainly handling him in in the Daibo vice form just as the Tamagotchi and I think he just sort of like finishes feeding and cleaning him up and, and sets him down to bed if he can. <laughs> and 
Scampy, it's like when he's in the device, it's a little more more digitized what you hear from it, but it's like Scamp, scamp, scurr. And he like tucks himself in, there's a little animation of a nightcap on top of him, that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. <laughs> uh and and Walt uh uh shortly after you sort of put Scampy King to bed, uh your phone goes off. Um and you you check it to see that it is a uh, my, uh message um, from it just says W Wick that's just how huh. they signed it, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and it's <laughs> and it says talk soon. Um, so like they're they're very much laying it on thick. Um, but maybe this prompts you to sort of like go into your phone and sort of see the upgrades that Wanda made to it. Mm-hmm. And you realize maybe you uh, go into the, the social media and you realize that you're seeing much more on your feed than you did before. Not just stuff from, you know, uh, your cousins on the higher floors, but you can start to see feeds from other towers and other devices. Whoa. They weren't kidding when they talked about broader access. And he spends a, a good chunk of the rest of the next shift here just looking through and seeing things about the different towers and what what what, what projects they're working on, what stuff they're touting. And it's kind of a almost a weird culture shock to see this much different stuff compared to what he normally sees in Kindred on this feed. Uh, and you start to um, take in all of this information. Uh, about not just your tower, but the other towers. And you are reading about Web Tower and about these um, initiatives that they have to uh, make sure that they can adapt to life on Operablum to the point that maybe even they can create the perfect Operablum. And you start reading about the Pinnacle Project and you start to put together that that's what Helix is a part of. And you read about uh, the amazing initiatives that are happening across multiple dimensions, and you're a little bit surprised to learn that there's a Thenis-Spartian establishment in a tower that's not Kindred. And you read more about it, and you, you read more about Arborism, and you put together that the symbol there is the symbol that was on Maybelline's jacket. And one of the last things that you read about is an article about this, you know, courier service in Lansdon, and it's titled, uh, Meet the One Courier That's Not a Computer. Hmm. And (laughs) it's, it's her, it's your old pen pal, Brinley. And you realize that you have a tool in your hands that can connect all of you together again and you start to get the sense that what happened in Prismadia was just the beginning of something bigger. <laughs>